Good morning. Um, hi, it's good to be back with you. I was on a couple of weeks vacation. Yeah, yeah, you can clap. You're glad I was gone, I guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good to be back after a couple of weeks vacation. Um, my oldest daughter got married, and um, I'm mostly really happy about that. Uh, I love the young man, so don't get me wrong. He's a wonderful young man, but you know, she's my daughter. She's my, my firstborn daughter, right? And, uh, but we had a great day. Um, they got married out, honestly, in the middle of nowhere on, on Campbell Lake, and uh, we had a good time. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to let you know about that if you're unaware. And so Abby and, and Keegan, um, uh, Abby being my daughter, uh, were, they're camping. They made it all the way up to Yukon, and then uh, all the way back down and through Alberta and stuff, and they'll be home sometime this week home. Well, she doesn't live with me anymore, right? She's no longer my responsibility, <laughs> apparently. Although I've had other parents who tell me who have adult kids that are married say, that's not just that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They'll be back around. Oh, okay, okay. Anyways, <laughs> it's so good to be back and um, uh, with you after a couple of weeks. So we are actually continuing our, our series on, uh, on the Psalms. And, uh, um, and it's, so one time... Start with a. I, I like starting with a joke, right? So here we go. One time there was a pastor. He was uh, he was selling a selling a horse, and um, uh, long I guess this is a long time ago. Maybe 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 they had cards. I don't know. Anyways, he's selling a horse, and one day a fella comes by. He wants to take the horse for a test ride one afternoon, and so the pastor says to him, he says, before you start, there's some things you should know. He said that the horse only responds to church talk. And, uh, and uh, the guy says, oh, okay. And he says, so, for example, he says, to get the horse to move, to go, you have to say, praise the Lord. And to get the horse to stop, you have to say, amen. So the fellow says, okay, okay, I think I can understand that. And, and so he hops on the horse and he says, praise the Lord. And the horse starts to move forward. And, and it's going forward. And the man says, okay, that, that works pretty good. And as they're going along, he decides he wants to go a little faster. And so he says, praise the Lord again. And the horse picks up speed and... And, and so the man's having a good afternoon, but as he's riding and he, he's getting the horse to go faster and faster, suddenly a storm comes and, uh, and there's thunder and lightning and it spooks the horse and the horse just starts to gallop full out and the, the man feels like he's lost control and the horse is going towards a cliff and, and so and the man suddenly realizes, what do I say, what do I say to get the horse to stop? And, and, and then all of a sudden he starts to scream, amen, 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 and the horse, and the horse stops just short of the cliff. And the man, whoo, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's a terrible joke, isn't it? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, here's the thing, right? When, when life is trotting along just fine, yeah, you see what I did there? That's awful, isn't it? When life is trotting along, trotting along just fine, you know, it, it's easy to, um, to give God credit, to be grateful to be thankful for all the good things that you have in your life, right? But when your life's headed towards a cliff, or maybe you feel like you've already gone over the cliff, it is, it's, it's harder to focus and direct your heart and mind towards God. Being intentional during the easier times to direct and redirect um, your attention to God matters. Some months ago, um, when uh, I, I was 
you know, spending time with the Lord one morning, and um, uh, that is not working. There it is. Um, th- this is a... This is a, a, not the psalm we're looking at this morning, but this is Psalm 19. One morning I was spending time with God, and I, was, I read Psalm 19, and the, this is verse 14, and this psalm grabbed me, right? It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord my God, my rock and my redeemer. And uh, I committed it to memory because it, that morning it just it, it sunk into me, and so I committed it to memory, and I've said it to myself many, many times over and over again since then. That, and I've said it as a reminder uh, that you know, what goes on in my heart, what comes out of my mouth, matters to God. And it, and it shapes my life. What I say, what I think, and what I say shapes my life. It affects my life. And so we have to be intentional in the easier times of life to direct our heart and mind towards God because then when life is headed towards a cliff or we're going over the cliff, it, will become, it, it then becomes easier, it becomes more natural to turn to God even in the midst of that. Praise, gratitude, worship is an important part of our faith. And so we're going to look this morning a little bit closer at Psalm 100. If you want to turn there, click there in your Bible, this is a psalm that is about worship. Can I get the next slide, please? Um, Psalm 100 says this, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So Psalm 100 is about praise and worship and thanksgiving. It's about what we do with our, you know, what goes on in our heart and what we say with our mouth, the words that we, we, we say. And it's about praise and worship and thanksgiving in our life because that shapes us and molds us. It leads us somewhere. So, when it comes to the, these words, because again, they would be church-like words, right? Worship, and praise, uh, not maybe so much thanksgiving, but we certainly use it here. And so the thing to know is, is worship is about who God is. Worship is about who He is. Praise is about what God has done. So it, it's the things that He's accomplished for us or that we know that He's done. And thanksgiving, then, is about what he's done for you. Because praise can be just about what he's done in general, right? The, the fact that he's forgiven us, he's provided salvation through Christ, whatever it is you want to say. But thanksgiving, then, becomes what he's done for you, specifically for you. And that, that molds you and shapes you and leads your heart and mind somewhere, right? May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. What we do with that matter. So this morning, actually what we're going to do is, um, I actually have four reasons why we worship and, and praise and give thanks to God and, um, and, and how that, that works for us. And so, let's try this one more time. Yes, did, that, did I do that? 
I did. All right. <laughs> so the first is this. We worship and praise God because he's worthy. You might think, oh, well, sure, of course he is. <laughs> um, because maybe you've spent your whole life or years and years in church, and you might think, oh, of course God's worthy. Now, here's the thing. like The word worship actually comes out of the word worth. So worship actually means worth-ship. That's, that's the, the basis of it. The idea behind it is that God is worth everything that we offer him. It's worth-ship. It's acknowledging who he is. He's our creator. God holds all things together, the Bible tells us. Isn't that important for us right now in this time? When honestly, doesn't it, in, in some ways, it feels like our world's falling apart, right? But God's worth it. Why? Because he holds all things together. Is God, is God sovereign and in control? Right. In a world that can feel out of control, and quite honestly, the world felt out of control pre-COVID, this one's just pushed in on us much harder. He's worth it. He's worthy. He forgives. He renews. He restores. He delivers. He is worth everything that you have to offer. Your good, your bad, your failures, your victories, He is worth it all. What do we, what do we tend to do? We tend to only want to bring God the things that we think are, you know, that, that are worthy of him. But the fact is, our whole life is worthy to him. I'm not saying that we've earned it, meaning he's worth, sorry, I've said that word, he's worth our whole life, our good and our bad. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. Amen. Jesus gave it all for us. Right? God, God didn't have to come and make a way for us. He chose to. Why? Because he, because he loves us. Because we're his creation. Because he's the beginning and the end. He holds all things together. So we're to bring him everything about ourselves. Everything that's, that's wonderful and great and everything that's broken. We bring to him in worship. We bring it to him, right? Psalm 18 and 3 says, I'll call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised. And I love Revelation 5 because it gives us a picture of what's actually happening right now in heaven. It says, then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy of everything we have to say and to offer. And worship reminds us of that. And what I mean by that is that worship brings us back to center. And I don't just mean the, the activity that we just did for the last 30 minutes, although that is a significant part of it. Worship brings us back to center, where our soul knows and experiences God as our source of life, that He is our beginning and our end. He is your beginning and your end. I understand that we have choices along the way in the midst of it, but ultimately, 
He chose for us to be here, and he knows when we go and we meet him face to face. He is our beginning and our end. And he's meant to be in the midst of all of it. I I mean, I do this, but the Bible actually describes it's more like this, right? That our life is just very short, the, the span of a hand. He's in the midst of all of it. God knows every breath you take. Jesus says, God knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. And he still loves you. He still wants to be with you. He's worthy. And so, what that speaks to me is that there is a discipline that we need to engage in in our life. A discipline of worship that regardless of of how I feel or what I'm experiencing in life, that I direct my heart and mind to him. That I do it over and over and over again. Because he's worthy. You know, the Bible tells us that that, (laughs) that for us to live is to live for Christ and then to die is gain. Right? To live is to live for Christ and to die is to gain. Meaning, what's that mean? It means it only gets better from the moment that you know Jesus. Life only gets better. And you might think, well, but my experience isn't better. In fact, as I've come to know Christ, maybe some things have gotten more difficult. Right. It's because the way God defines better and the way we define better are often very different, right? It only gets better. When, when, when we're here, we choose and we discipline ourselves to worship Him, to give Him everything. We have to make a decision that God is worth our whole life, regardless of what's happening in our life. Because it's there that we can engage in the way that Psalm 100 tells us, to shout for joy, to worship Him with gladness, and to be thankful despite difficulty, because it isn't based on how we feel or what we're experiencing. It's based on Him, the fact that He is worthy. And we are, we so often, and I, when I say we, I'm pointing the finger at me too, we so often make worship about us, don't we? Not just the music, I just mean the day-to-day things. (laughs) I'm going to use church, for example, but, you know, it's like, well, I don't really like that song, so I won't sing the same, I won't raise my hands or clap or whatever. That's one way that we do it. But we also do it in the the sense of when, when life isn't going great, we maybe hold back our thanksgiving, our gratitude, until life improves. Well, he's either worthy or he isn't. He is the beginning and the end. He is in all and through all. He is always worthy. That's why we worship. And what happens there is we meet him. We meet him. And this is the, yes, the second thing. We meet him because praise and worship brings us closer to God. Verse 4 of Psalm 100, right, says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was resided in a physical building, in a temple. And anyone who wanted to be in the presence of God had to go from wherever they were and make a, you know, their way to the temple. And the gate 
was one of the first doorways that they would pass through. And, and, and then they would enter the temple to worship, usually with a bunch of other people. That part hasn't necessarily changed. And the intention of going through the gate and they would enter into the, what was the courtyard, the intention was to, to worship and then move closer, physically move closer Because the further you went into, inside the temple, the closer you got to God. The courts, the courts were like the spacious area around the sanctuary. And then the sanctuary was considered the most holy place. And so you would have to go through the the, the gate, then you would have to enter into the sanctuary, into the presence of God. The further you went in, the closer you got to Him. But it is shifted now in the New Testament, right? 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us, don't you know that you are the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. So the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God no longer dwells just in a building or only in a building. It's in you. It's in me. The presence of God, the Spirit of God lives in you. The gate and the courts are no longer physical, but now are an issue of our heart and mind. (laughs) They're no longer physical. It's now the issue of our heart and mind. We still have to walk through a gate. We still have to get into a court, but those issues are internal. It's decisions we make with how we think and what we say, how we act. When life's difficult when your heart's disturbed, when you lack peace, getting yourself into the presence of God will help you because worship changes us. Worship changes us. God wants to help us. He gives us himself to help us in day-to-day life. Worship changes us, and that's, that's the third reason why we worship. Because worship changes us. In Jeremiah 2.5, it says they, they followed worthless idols and themselves became, and became worthless themselves. See, worship changes us. We become like what we worship. And, and you might, oh, it's just that, it's just that. We become like what we worship. Everyone's life is directed at something. Whether you realize it or not, every day, moment by moment, your heart and mind are directed, are pointed at something or someone. And in directing our life towards that thing, whatever it is, we are engaging in worship towards it. And we become like what we are directing our life at. We become what we behold in life. It's how God has made us. Here's what I mean. So if you worship superficial things, you'll find that your life becomes more and more superficial. If you worship yourself, you will find that you become more and more self-centered and self-serving. If you worship money, you'll find yourself becoming greedy and self-consumed. But when we worship God with our life, with everything about ourselves, our good and our bad, when we worship Him, we'll find that we become more and more like Him. We become more godly. 
The life, our lives as believers are meant to be directed first and foremost towards God. To worship Him, to praise Him, to thank Him. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. How often do we think something is like ultimately important in life? But everything else is secondary in comparison to Him. It doesn't mean that those things aren't important. It just means that they're always second to Him. Always. Every time. So let me encourage you with this. Maybe you have an area of your life that you want to see change. Worship changes us. Maybe, maybe it's an attitude you're struggling with or a behavior or I, I don't know. If you have an area of your life you want to change, start to intentionally worship God when you're dealing with that issue. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Intentionally turn yourself to him and watch as your life changes. It might happen in a moment. It might happen in days or months, years. But it will happen. It will change you because we, we become like the things that we worship. The fourth is this. Praise prepares us. Psalm 8 and 2 says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Praise prepares us to stand strong, to remain faithful until the enemy is silenced. We've all felt under attack at different times, different points in times in our life, right? And praise is the thing that we are to engage in when we sense that, right? Praise is what God has done. So praise works because we remind ourselves about what God has done. Because when, when difficulty comes, when the enemy is present, or it's just difficulty, it, right, it, that thing can seem bigger than God, right? Sure can. And so praise reminds us of what God has done, of how powerful He is, of how loving, of how gracious how faithful. It reminds us of what he's done. It's, it is praise prepares us. It builds a fortified place in our heart and mind through which faith then rises up and you can trust God. Let me encourage you to start and end every day with just moments of praise of, of what God has done. It will help you in life. So, then I have for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a classic pastor-preacher thing. I told you I had four points, but I got a few more. Um, <laughs> in conclusion, I just have 15 more points. Uh, teasing. Um, the thing is, so I just want to talk with you quick about okay, what does this look like? How do we do this? How do you engage in worship? Because worship is more than just singing, although singing is an important part of it. The thing is, we worship and we praise and worship with our voice, right? Psalm 63 and 3, because of your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Acts 16 and 2, right? When Paul and Silas are in prison, it says that at midnight they're praying, singing hymns to God, 
and the prisoners were listening to them. Our, what we do with our words matters. And so it's important to engage your voice in worship, in praise, to say it out. You can be all alone, but speaking it out says some, it does something. I've thought lots about this. I, and so, real quick, one of the, I think, I look all the way back into Genesis, and, and God makes everything, why, how? By speaking. Right? He spoke things into being. And then, what's he do for us? Because he didn't have to make us be able to speak, right? There, there could have been all kinds of ways we could have communicated. But he chose to give us a voice. Why is that? Things happen when, when we speak. Just like him. And so we lead ourselves in place. So our voice matters. And, and lots of people are like, well, I'm uncomfortable. Well, begin to practice all by yourself in your room or living room or wherever. But begin to practice it. Begin to, to discipline yourself intentionally. Find ways to worship and praise Him. And if you're unsure where to start, I would suggest take Psalm 100 and just read it out loud and interject yourself into it. Okay, the second way that, that we worship is, is with our bodies, our physical bodies. Right, what we do with our physical body matters to God, um, and, and the Bible instructs us to do things like to dance, to clap, to bow down, uh, to lift our hands, to worship Him, to kneel before Him. Sometimes physically moving actually begins to, cha it begins to change our, our mindset and where our heart's at. And so that physical movement helps us and it is a part of worship. And then music, right? There is something spiritual in, in music. Um, music has a way of opening our heart and mind, our emotions. I mean, you, you've all experienced a song, an old song comes on the radio that you remember, right? From when you were a teenager or in your 20s or, you know, when you were falling in love. And what's it do for you? Right? You're like, oh, and it brings you back. Worship or music has a way of, it just integrates into our heart and mind. I, I believe God made us that way. The Bible would describe that heaven is full of music. And I don't know if it's going to be divided in to sections like those that like the Gaithers are over there and those that like Hillsong, or I don't know. Just joking. Um, but music's important. And so if you're having trouble, right, disciplining yourself, lots of times music, worship, intentionally putting on, putting on worship will help you. Worship music will begin to change your heart and mind, begin to change your mindset. We're to worship God with our emotions. Your emotions matter to God. They've been given to you by God. Your emotions are actually a gift from God to you. <laughs> You're like, so I should clarify, most of the time, your emotions are a gift from God. <laughs> They're always a gift from Him. How we manage them isn't always. But our emotions matter to God. And how we engage emotionally in life matters to Him as well. And the fact is, we can lead our emotions. 
So when, when, when we're struggling, right, when we're, if you're sad or depressed or angry, or you can actually begin to lead your emotions through worship and praise and thanksgiving. To begin to lead yourself to a place of peace, to a place of joy. I mean, you might not get all the way into, you know, joyful, jumping up and down, clapping your hands. You may, but you can certainly move yourself. God's done this for us. And then finally, we worship God with our whole life. Everything that we do, everything we do is for Him. And everything we do is about Him. It's good to remind ourselves of that because, boy, it's so easy to get distracted, right? It's so easy to, become, to make things just about us, isn't it? Or about me. But everything is about Him. All we do, He is worthy of all that we do. We worship Him because He's worth it. It brings us closer to Him, and God desires for His presence to dwell, not just to visit, but to abide among His people. God wants to come and live with us, and He does because His Spirit is in us, but there is a dynamic that takes place when God's people gather. There's a dynamic that takes place when we worship. And so that's actually just what we're going to do. It's how we're going to end. We are not often end, we most often end our worship services with just that, with, with music and worship. But we have an opportunity right here, right now to engage Him, to, to draw in close. I mean, I don't know where, where you're at in your life, if you're having a, a good day, a bad day, a great week, a bad week. But what I do know I know that his presence is here and he desires for you to be with him. And that's up to you. And so I would encourage you as we worship, don't let anybody or anything else, right, get into your head. Go after him just in this next few minutes. Go after him wholeheartedly because he wants to meet you. He wants to be with you. And then let him lead you from there. So I'm going to invite the worship team